This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated Fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 308, and it is brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 because it does us a great deal of service. Big show, huge show today. Um, uh, Lots of topics to talk about. The Bruins are still a wagon, no matter what, if they had a couple speed bumps here and there, especially in Arizona, who cares? This team is still very good. But before we talk about all of that awesome Bruin stuff, I do want to say I'm very proud to have this guy right next to me right here. His name is Steve Forney, and he is going to be the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast new primary host. He's going to drive the agenda right now. I'm still going to be here, but I want to be the guy that uh, gets uh, questions asked, and I want to be, you know, stuff like that. I just had... I 
don't feel I do a very good job of driving a train, but I know this guy does because he's got a tremendous amount of experience and he's one of my favorite people on Twitter. And also he was up at the ninth floor uh, for a whole season um, doing the PA announces for the Boston Bruins game at TD Garden. And his name is Steve Forney. Steve, thank you very much and welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, sir. Well, thanks, Mark. I, I appreciate it. You know, um, I, I don't know. It might sound interesting to some people, um, but I don't know. There are differences when it comes to radio. I've been in radio a long time, and some people like to be the host, and some people like to be the co-host. And um, everybody, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio, when the host is out and the co-host tries to host, it's a different it's a different show, you know? So um, I, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity, and, um, you know, I hope – I hope that Bruins fans realize how lucky they are to have people like you and Dom and, you know, at Ivan, 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 whoever that guy is, uh, and Mr. <laughs> Tankrat and all these other people who follow not just the team, but um, the depth and um, down in Providence and, you know, in the in the juniors and in uh, college hockey. Um, you know, I, not a lot of organizations and teams have that kind of a following and. Uh, to sort of know what your prospects are up to um, is big. And, you know, we'll talk about it, but, you know, Krejci missed a day and a lot of people might be freaking out. What are we going to do about center? What if it's a long-term thing? Um, but when you can look in, and follow and know what's going on with Johnny Beecher and know what's going on with uh, other people in the organization, uh, it's a real good resource. And I uh, tip my hat to you guys for um, sort of diligently staying on it. You know, it's uh uh, it's not an easy thing to do. So um, I'm glad to be here and I really appreciate it. So this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for the kind words uh, about our content and so on. Uh, just uh, having you on the program, I think is just going to drive this uh, a little further up. You know, we might not be reaching EEI and, and 98.5 uh, listeners numbers and so on, but it's a, uh, it's an increased effort to make the show a little more better when it comes to quality and adding you on was just a no-brainer. I was super stoked when you uh, basically applied for the position, and I was like, like, damn, you know, I really have to gravitate this guy because I know your experience, and I know you're a diehard hockey fan. You could talk uh, NHL level, and you could talk the the AHL level too because you do things with the Springfield uh, Thunderbirds too. But, um, you know, I, I'm just really stoked to have you here. And I know Kevin and Dom, when they do have an opportunity to meet you, I think they're going to be really impressed, and I think we're all going to uh, – really take this up another level and I'm proud to have you aboard. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. And episode 308. I mean, uh, that's awesome. 308 episodes, man. That's, that's fantastic. And of course, uh, you know, we got to mention our friends at betonline.ag. Uh, you can use the promo code CLNS50. Uh, that'd be really, uh, really appreciated, but betonline.ag. Um, and of course, Dom's still out. Uh, Kevin's still out, but we'll be sort of running the train here for this week. Um, as you mentioned, a lot to get to, uh, sort of, I don't know, this might be the first kind of up and down week this team's seen, um, all season. I mean, it's been, like you said, sort of a wagon and they hit a little bit of adversity this week in a variety of different ways. So, um, you know, I know we're going to, we're going to get into that and just kind of set the table a little bit. Um, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, how the team cut ties with Victor Berglund, uh, the defenseman, a defensive prospect. Uh, who might that open the door for? Uh, Zidane Chara had some things to say on the uh, Sports History podcast there. 
Um, we got to talk about the, that arena in Arizona. And, and <laughs> again, I don't know. The, Jack Edwards kept saying about how much the, they loved the ice, but uh, I did not like the camera angle. I don't know about anybody else. Um, you know, we got to talk Fabian, uh, Fabian Lizell, um, Krejci's injury. Um, I want to know what's up. And maybe you can fill me up. What's up with Jacob Zaboral too. Um, you know, I, I, I know that draft is synonymous with some things um, that aren't really all that good to talk about, but you know, is that something that that Sweeney's just kind of hanging on to because, you know, that's kind of it, you know, um, besides outside of the brusque. And I think Carlo was the second rounder in that draft. Um, but other than that, you know, he's kind of hanging on to it. So, um, but I guess if you want, we can start with, um, we can start with last week. And uh, I think everybody was really excited for that return to the garden from Bruce Cassidy. Um, and the Bruins fell on that one, four to three. Um, quite honestly, it seemed to me like, you know, th- there was a lot of talk that some of the players didn't, were kind of getting tired of Bruce. Um, most notably guys like Brandon Carlo, Jake DeBrusque, as we know, requested a trade there. Uh, and it was kind of strange to me. It seemed like those two players in particular, maybe even Trent Frederick a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they just felt his presence, but they, they were sort of invisible in that game, Mark. I don't know if anything stood out to you. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, a lot of emotions in the building that night. And and uh, our blackandgoldhockey.com uh, colleague, um, Mike Sullivan, was up on the ninth floor covering that game as a credential media member. Um, yeah, and the, the building was rock was it, it was a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, like personal stuff that were, were going on with a lot of people. You know, when when Bruce's return, the guy was a great coach. There's no no denying that. Lots of 50, 50 goal fifty win seasons. I'm sorry for the for the fumble there, but um, you know, uh, he did a good job here. But obviously, it was it was not to the point where we were getting in winning and and playoff success and so on. So you know. Uh, I believe a message needed to be changed and I was all for him, him moving on. Um, obviously he goes to another team in, uh, in, in Las Vegas and, and does fantastic out there. But um, I, I like the change and everything. So, I mean, but kudos to Bruce for being a decent coach and, and, and getting this team to be competitive. And, and he earned the standing O at the, uh, at the TD garden on that particular Monday night. And um, you know, I really wish the results were different, but um, you know, that's, that's just the way it goes when, with this Boston Bruins team, even though they are a wagon, some of these games are really tough when the, when you see their starts, but uh, you know, it's good that when they're pushed into a corner, they are really aggressive on getting that two points and particularly in the third period, being the best uh, final frame team in the league. Yeah. And if you're going to lose, you might as well lose to Western conference teams and minimize the the damage to your, um, you know, to the standings, which, I mean, again, I, I think I saw something that said they could go 500 the rest of the way and still be right around 100 points, um, you know, and that's the that's the nice thing about having this this beginning to the season that they've had. And obviously they can't play like this forever. Um, but the fact that you can bank as much points as they have in November and October and now we're sitting here in December, um, you know, they got such a nice pad here that that, uh, you know, when those struggles do come, hopefully they're not. Uh, they don't take their, you know, they're not too long, but um, you know, you sort of have those points in the bag and and you can um, you know, you won't lose too much ground in the standings. So, um, but yeah, that, that did, it seemed like an emotional night. Um, I was a little annoyed with the uh, Vegas Twitter 
Uh, I know they like to be outspoken, but they were do- making all this noise about Phil Kessel, the Bruin coming back, Phil Kessel, and then who gets the the shootout goal? But Riley Smith. It's like you whipped yeah. on that. You whipped on that one. You know, and it's like nice win streak getting beat by an expansion team. It's like you're not Seattle. Like you're not even the yeah, newest exactly. expansion team. So, yeah. Um, you know, little props to the admin there, I guess. But, um, um, but yeah, it was. And you know, it's the end of the homestand. So, like I said, if you're gonna lose. It's not, if you, it's not like you lost to Arizona. Oh, wait, you did. Yeah. We'll get into. But, you know, um, you know, it's a good team. They got out there in Vegas. Um, they're consistent. They're hard. They play hard. They're big. They got some big dudes on that roster. Um, so, uh, you know, if you, you got to fall, it's not really the worst place to be, I guess. Yeah, I give him some credit, too. You know, Bruce Cassidy has um, really got this uh, Vegas team off to a great start, particularly on the road. Um, if I'm, I'm pulling up their numbers right now, and uh, you know Vegas is uh, twelve two and one away from uh, th- their home in Las Vegas, and um, and they're eight six and zero oh at home. So that's kind of a Just be all those distractions uh, in Vegas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, it should be um, an interesting game. Um, they, they do play tonight, but um, you know, going back to the uh, the game last week, it was just. Against teams like this, I really want this Boston Bruins team to have better starts. You know, um, let's not let's not get to points where we have to use our third period as a crutch moving forward. Uh, we do. I mean, we might not have like a whole boatload of, of superstars on this team, but the way this team and and the camaraderie lately and and how they play for each other is is has been amazing and and. And it's doing great things uh, in the standings, regardless if Toronto's like nipping at our heels right now. So, um, you know, just get on another streak and bank uh, these two points as much as you can, because it's going to be needed. It's, it's not going to get any easier from here on out. Yeah. And and this particular stretch, as you mentioned, um, you know, Vegas at home, you go to Colorado, you go to Arizona, you go to Vegas tonight. Um, you know, it's a lot of travel and a lot of pretty good teams in there too. So, um, you know, they are getting points out of these games uh, for the most part, which is good. Um, but, you know, it, it's not like you're playing bottom barrel teams here. And, and maybe that was a little bit of a benefit early in the year was playing teams that, um, you know, weren't really all that spectacular. But now you're playing some real good competition and um, and they're they're certainly more than hanging around. You know, um, you know, they hit the road after that. They go to Colorado. Uh, score a four nothing win against I don't know if that was the Colorado Avalanche or the Colorado Eagles, but uh, that was a team that was uh, I mean, you know, and, it, and it's something I I sort of brought up and not to move forward to the Arizona game quite yet, but you know I mean Arizona's not a good team, but they are healthy and they are actual legitimate NHL hockey players, as opposed to Colorado where I mean they were just all out of sorts. They had you know players not. Uh, they had guys getting called up. They had guys that didn't really know the scheme. They had guys that were doing things for the first time they'd never done before. So it's almost like, you know, I got the impression it's almost harder to play uh, a team that's not really good, but at least they're cohesive uh, than it is to play a good team that's really banged up and just has like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of injuries and, you know, call ups and guys that are usually dressed or dressed. And um, the Bruins certainly took advantage of that in Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and. You, you look at the pregame notes and so on and just see the talent that's on the shelf um, and the call-ups, like you mentioned. This is It's just, um, you know, you were playing basically an American Hockey League team. But this is another game uh, that the Bruins 
I'm not saying they, they struggled hard in the first period, but it was more of a feeling out process. And and my friend Caroline, our friend Caroline, and a solid listener brought this up in one of the calls we're gonna we're gonna have uh, on the B and G hotline segment later on in the program. Um, was this you know they was trying to figure out Colorado, but then when it came into the second period, where the Bruins traditionally are not such a great team, they really turned it up and and put the uh, the skate on the Avalanche throats to really secure these two wins. And uh, what can you say about Linus Allmark this year? Just a fantastic effort in net, his second shutout of the season, and um, he's just got unbelievable numbers. Um, but we'll talk about him later on in some of the streaks that I have uh, took some notes on. So good, good, solid win, and you know, great to see Taylor Hall. And I mean, he got two goals, and Trent Frederick, uh, he's been playing well. We'll talk about those guys in that in that kind of newly formed third line and so on later on, but. Just a solid road win. Um, it's a solid win, and um, you know, it's uh, you know, Almack making twenty three saves and so on. And I mean, I can't say enough about this guy and, and his addition to this team this season. Do you think uh, part of that feeling out process comes from playing teams that you're not really all that familiar with? I mean, they don't see Arizona, they don't see Colorado, you don't see the Winnipeg's, and those they're not exactly loaded with familiar players who were playing in the Eastern conference the prior year in a lot of instances. So um, do you think part of that feeling out particularly early in the game comes from just unfamiliarity? Yeah, it possibly could, you know, there's only so much you can do uh, between video, watching a lot of video on, on how another team starts, you know, when you do your pregame notes and so on. Um, But yeah, but also the, the, the Bruins play, at home as well in the Eastern conference, the same way, kind of, sort of, it's a, it's kind of a a rough start in the first period. Um, But then, you know, the second and third, obviously the ones that really, they really turn it up a notch. Um, But yeah, we're seeing it. No, I'm seeing it at least from, from uh, several different teams, regardless of uh, East West um, conferences and so on. But I mean, this is something that Montgomery is, it, it continues to need to, you know, preach that we just have to start better and uh, not worry till the end. Um, you know, but it, we are fortunate that we are a team that can come back. This Boston Bruins leadership just really hammers down uh, details, you know, uh, define details on what you need to do to secure two points. And But I really want to see moving forward, particularly when you get close to the playoffs, it's like a full 60-minute effort. That to me is gonna. That to me shows that you're gonna be a real good team uh, when it, when you get those grinding minutes of, of of postseason where a lot of teams get worn out quick. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. And um, uh, I mean, you mentioned the starts. I mean, even the game against Arizona, 23 seconds into the game, you give up a goal to Josh Brown. It's like Josh. I mean, really, like that guy couldn't yeah. find the back of the net if you if if you you paid him, but. Um, and he was a Bruin, <laughs> and right, right, and uh, and a Springfield Thunderbird. Um, but yeah, that's you right. know, maybe that's a part of it too. Is this when you're that good in the third period, and you know you can come back, and you know that you can rescue maybe some of the miscues you had earlier in the game? Maybe there is a little bit of that complacency coming out of the gate, where it's like, well, we'll get them in the, you know, we'll get them later in the game. We give them an early one, but we we know we can come back. And as great of a asset as that is you don't want to like i said come become sort of complacent with it and you know and and 
start off a little sluggish just because you can. Yeah. It's so easy to uh, to say that uh, this Boston Bruins team has enough time to get back on Twitter than it does actually doing it out on the ice. So, yeah, no um, doubt. You know, especially when you run into a goalie like they did in Arizona, uh, Carl, <laughs> Carl Vamelka, who uh, 43 saves in that game. Um, and it wasn't even like it was, you know, just wrist shots from the blue line. I mean, there were sort of three to four to five even shot flurries where he was just sort of all over the place. And, um, you know, everybody might look at it and say, really, Arizona? Like, you know, you lost to Arizona. But, um, I mean, that sometimes you just run into a goalie that's playing out of their mind. Yeah, you know, they, uh, the Boston Bruins have had a trend uh, in several years, regardless of their uh, amazing record uh, at right now. Uh, they tend to run into teams that their their best player is the goaltender. And they and they seem to make them look very good, like the the Vezina Vesna, however you want to say the trophy uh, winner that year. But uh, you know, uh, it's just another thing that's concerning to me because I'm a, I'm the goalie guru on the show, and um, is 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 that is like you in my opinion, you need better quality shots on goalies like this uh, that that are really not that well known and so on. Obviously, he's make, trying to make a, a name for himself in Colorado. Um, I mean, in uh, Arizona. But uh, I just really think that more quality shots on guys like these, you got to get them going uh, side to side more often. The goalies are tremendous in these days and very hard to beat regardless of what team they play for. But I just want to see more quality shots. We've seen it in the past and in, in, in this season. You know, more pucks uh, from the blue line in to get opportunities to guys that have net front presence, be there for the rebound, uh, just just to be a pain in the ass. Um, you know, against a team like Arizona on Friday night, I didn't see that much. And um, I don't know if it was the, uh, you know, frustration because the building was loud. Um, but, I mean, we'll obviously hit touch on that later on. Uh, but that was, a, that was a, a very weird game to – to, to watch because um, I really thought and I, I went to bet online dot AG and I played several bets thinking that the uh, the Bruins were going to be uh, a wagon in that game, you know, with, uh, you know, Pasenak and Bergeron and Marchand getting points. I was uh, definitely wrong on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, and you mentioned the frustration I you know, there was the the final media timeout of the second period. It was about five and a half minutes left. The Bruins were out shooting 31 to 10. And I mean, when you got 31, when you're out shooting your opponent 31 to 10 in the second period, you're either up five goals or you're just the opposite. You're extremely frustrated. What are we doing wrong? How come we can't, how come we can't beat this guy? And, you know, I saw that sort of settling in. I saw a lot of guys with their hands on their knees and shaking their heads. Like what, you know, what else are we supposed to do here? And even the final shot total was ridiculous. Like 42 to 16 or 44 to six, something like that. Um, when you get that many shots on net and you have that wide of a difference and you can't find the back of the net, man, it's just got to be frustrating as hell. So, um, you know, we, you, you saw that sort of creep in, um, you know, Nick Foligno gets a power play goal that really put Arizona on the ropes. And then what happens immediately there after that, they get a, they get a, a stick infraction penalty. It wasn't like a, you know, it's a, a hooking call. Like you just, you can't have hooking calls. Um, right when your momentum train is, is fired up, especially on the road. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I think the goalie was a big reason why they didn't win, but um, 
you know, if you let teams hang around and you do some things that to beat yourself. And like we said, you wait until that last critical moment moments of the game. It doesn't, it's not a guarantee that it's going to go your way. And I mean, we saw that with what a, what a, a bizarre play that was to end to sort of end the game on that, um, uh, on that non-icing call. I mean, I have to be honest, I was of the impression that if the puck rolls through the crease, the icing gets waved off. I've heard, uh, I've seen proof that that's actually not the case. You know, they're not sure if one of the refs thought Swayman played it. Um, but what were your thoughts on sort of the way that, that, that sequence went and the way that finished up? Uh, like I said on Twitter, I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I was literally confused when that happened. And I was literally confused when I woke up and had my coffee the next morning. I was just, I, I didn't know where to go with this. Um, and, and, and several people forwarded the rules to me and so on. I don't know. It, it, I mean, just a very unlucky uh, time frame for the Boston Bruins. A very confusion, um, a, a very confusing time on the ice as well. But if I was the goalie, I, I would I would have just stopped it, you know, and covered it. I would, you know, don't take the icing. I mean, yeah, get the icing if you can, because the because the faceoff goes down the other end, and you have a better opportunity to win the faceoff, possess the puck down in, uh, in their end, and, and, and create a scoring chance. Um, but I don't know. That was just a, a fumble all the way around. You could go back to Derek Forbert kind of messing that up as well. Um, that was and, bizarre. And Jeremy Swim. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's just very strange. Um, you know, and hopefully they learn from this. You know, this uh, don't give up opportunities like this late in the game and, and forcing the hand of of extra extra time, which uh, ultimately happened in Arizona and and um, and the uh, home mutes at the uh, the new Mullet Arena get their get the two points ultimately. But it just can't happen like that. We, everybody's got to be better. I really can't focus my frustration on one person or one play on that because it was kind of a it was kind of a, a few folks that um, uh, should have did things that never made that happen. Yeah, and and I noticed a lot of and I know you did too a lot of uh, a lot of vitriol towards Swayman and you know I, I think last year we thought at least I did I thought Olmark and Swayman for a long part of the season were were. 50 50 they thought they were sort of equally as good and um you know i think this year Allmark has elevated his game and swayman it might be you know falling off just a little bit but i don't first of all i don't think it's anything to be concerned about and second of all you know Allmark's had so many more minutes in his career than than swayman he's seen more he's older he's been here longer um i think swayman is still people forget he's he's still a kid he's still learning he's still trying to figure it out and you know, don't let's not forget the Bruins kind of lucked into the guy in the first place. So, you know, I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on Swayman. Although I don't know how, what your thoughts were. I don't think it was his strongest game. No, not at all. And I, I don't think this is his strongest season by far. Um, but it happens. It, I'm, he's a very young goaltender. We all, well, most of us know, goaltenders tend to mature later on in their career the 27, 28, 29, 30 range is where you get your best goaltenders because they have a little bit of experience and so on. And they're really starting to learn angles, the, uh, the aggressive approach of, of a game that the speed seems to be get speedier every year. Uh, things change on the fly and so on. 
and when it, when it's a goalie, it's tough. It's tough to uh, accustom to those changes. And this is going to happen. I mean, Swayman is on in his third year of his uh, his final year of his entry level contract. It happens with uh, players all the time. You, I mean, I mean, I don't want to put the same um, uh, the same thing on on Swayman as Carter Hart, but you know, a younger goaltender like Carter Hart struggled as well. But you know, uh, I think Swayman's going to be a lot better. He's his his work ethic is top notch. He will shake this, and you know, if it if it if it doesn't happen this season, it'll definitely happen next season because he'll use the off season as a catalyst to push himself and work out and, and, you know, do more things, do more yoga if you need to, and so on to get better. And, and, you know, we have time to nurture a player like this, because if you think about it, Omar's probably not going to be here forever. Swayman's probably going to be the next one in and, um, and, you know, hopefully it does get better, but there's a lot of people that really want him moved because of his struggles this season. And uh, I, I have to disagree with that. I like the way this goaltending tandem is right now. Um, on the ice, their effort is is tremendous. But even as a business aspect, the AAV, when you look at the salary cap, is very, very team-friendly. They're both making under $6 million right now. Obviously, that's going to change next season because Jeremy Swim is going to be looking at getting a contract year. I'm thinking a bridge deal, probably – 2.5 range for two years. Let's see where we're at. Let's evaluate and go from there. I don't believe a player like this should be signing eight year deals, the max and uh, in big money as of right now, because to me, and I said it on last week's program, he really hasn't proven that type of goaltending to me yet. Will he in the future? Absolutely. I think he can. Yeah. I, I think the days of, uh, I, there are exceptions, but the days of, of one goalie playing, you know, 70 out of 82 games. I, I think we're past those days. Uh, unless you have, you know, that rare, that rare guy. I think Carey Price might have been the last one that that sort of would, and you know, Pecarine were sort of the last ones that could really do that. But yeah, you, know, you have a really good goalie and you pay him eight million dollars a year, it's harder to get another really good goalie to be his backup and split that time with him. And the fact that, and you mentioned a bridge deal. I mean, I'd match it right up with the Allmark deal. Um, you know, you, you don't want both your goalies going to free agency at the same time, but you know, the fact that you have this, this tandem, which is, which is more than acceptable. Um, the fact that you have both of those guys together. Um, I mean, that's just, I, I think they're sort of playing with house money and, and you know, the nice thing with Swayman and his struggles is, it's not, it doesn't seem to me to be mental. Um, and you mentioned Carter Hart, you know, one bad goal leads to leads to three or four bad goals. And, you know, even Spencer Knight down in Florida, when he first got in, it was, you know, the kid had the physical tools out the, you know, uh, he had them. It's just, it was all upstairs. It was all, um, you know, putting stuff behind you, you put a bad goal behind you, you move on to the next play. Uh, I don't, I, I see Swayman being strong mentally. I feel like his issues are more physical. I feel like, you know, there was one goal in that Arizona game where he went down, the puck went up and it's, you know, learning to not go down earlier, you know, to stay on your feet or go faster post to post, whatever those things are that he's having trouble with, they seem to be physical, not mental. And that in of itself is a good sign because it's a lot easier to, uh, to teach physical toughness and physical attributes than it is mental toughness and mental attributes. So the fact that he's already got those things ingrained in him, I think is a good sign. And, um, 
you know, he's not slamming sticks over the back of the, you know, over the back of the goal or anything like that. So I, I think, I think it's a little, I think it's way too early to be hitting the panic button on Swayman. Yeah, absolutely. It just, you know, this is like going right to our point when we started about the goalie talk and, and how they mature, you know, he's got to let him figure out uh, the bad goals and the good goals, whatever, and, and let him move on. He, he'll figure it out. He has mental coaches. He's got physical coaches and he's got all these uh, complimentary pieces that are allowing him to build, a, you know, a better athlete in himself and he'll figure it out. It's just, you know, the panic button people just are, are absolutely ridiculous because these are the same people that hated Allmark last year. They wanted him moved and they wanted Allmark moved over the, over the off season to be cap compliant. You know, it's like, well, let's get rid of this $5 million. It's not that easy. It's not so easy to walk up to a player that you just got and say, can you waive your no trade clause to give us a, you know, a, a solid, I don't think that. And, and, and I'm glad that I stuck with what I was saying, like, and what I've learned from um, former Boston Bruins goaltenders like Andrew Raycroft on the morning brew hockey podcast is players that get here. If they're on three, two or three year deals. Yeah. The first year is going to be tough because you need to adjust. I'm glad that, me and, and and a small group of Bruins fans are happy that all stuck around and we, you know, we weren't clamming to trade him because look at the benefits we're seeing right now after a comfortable, um, you know, family and himself. He's just, this guy could possibly win some damn good trophies this year, you know? And he, and he's likable team seems to like him. The locker Absolutely. room seems to like him. Um, yeah, he's got a little charisma. I think, again, I think the goalie hug, people can call it cheesy if you want to. I think it's, I think that's such a reflection on the locker room. Um, you know, even last night, they're all at a UFC fight. And it wasn't just like there were, you know, two or three guys. They had a group group of like, what, eight or nine of them sitting uh, yeah. front row at the UFC fight. So you'd love Absolutely. to see that, you know. Yep. So um, and speaking of that, some of the guys at that game um, sort of moving along here is uh, we got to talk about this third line. I, for so long, for much, so much of my lifetime, it, this was a two line hockey team. It was the Bergeron line. It was the Krejci line. And then it was a total hodgepodge. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm so, I don't say I'm proud of him. I'm proud of you, but I'm, I'm, I'm so proud that Taylor Hall can go down to the third line and not sulk about it and not, you know, and, and take it in stride and realize that it's not like he's going on the third line to play with Zach Ronaldo. He's going on the third line to play with Charlie Coyle. And uh, you mentioned Tread Frederick, who, Again, I think I just think last year was trying too hard to be somebody that he wasn't, you know, and all those early fights he would get into. It was like he had this thought that I have to go out there and punch somebody in the face or I'm not doing my job or, you know, Cassidy's going to bench me or whatever it is. Now he's he's doing what we saw him do in Providence, which was, you know, play a little sandpaper, but, you know, be smart, go into the corners, dig out pucks, know the plays, know where your teammates are, facilitate the, the puck a little bit. Um and I think that the fact that they can rely on these guys when your top two centers are in their late thirties uh, and can't play, you know, we can't let Bergeron and Krejci and Marshawn kill four minutes of penalties every night. You know, there's getting, no, so having that third line to rely on uh, and give those guys a breather, uh, I think is, is outstanding. Yeah. I, I, I want to start this, this conversation about the third line with uh, Charlie Coyle. Uh, big turnaround from last season and the season prior. 
I think he's more engaged. Um, and I think his creativity is being, a, uh, you know, the, the leash isn't so tight. Um, when you were talking about the difference of coaches like last year, I just think that Cassie was just holding them back a little bit on their creativity and so on and not giving them a lot of time to do what they want as athletes. That could be totally wrong. I'm just going by what I saw. Uh, this year, you see in a more engaged uh, Charlie Coyle. And that that's huge for the third line because, you know, this third line, like you mentioned, has has been a kind of abysmal since like the days of like Carl Soderberg. Carl Soderberg really came into this league coming over from Sweden, the one-eyed Swede, and basically like got that third line to be a productive line again. And now we have Charlie Coyle, who's like that puck possession master. But what makes him really good is is his complementary pieces on each side, you know. And and to have a player like Taylor Hall um, come down to the the third line, like you said, no sulk, nothing, all work, you know. I think that Taylor Hall would sulk anywhere else if he was on a team that has no chance of winning a Stanley Cup. You know, I think that he'll go down to the fourth line because he loves being on this team. He loves the mission that they're currently on and believes that, you know, things can happen for him here, uh, which would be a, a first cup in his in, in his um, in his career. But then you add another piece like Trent Frederick, which a lot of people were very hard on. Totally get it. He takes stupid penalties, blah, blah, blah. But it's not the end all be all to me. I don't trash a player because he takes a couple stupid penalties. Um but to have a player like him be on his off wing and be as productive is really surprising to me. And and I have known that Trent Frederick has this type of offensive capabilities because I saw it at Wisconsin. I saw it in the U.S. National Program. And I saw it in Providence many, many times. And I thought that he would really translate to be a, a solid NHLer. But when he got to the NHL, it's probably the message that wasn't the thing that he wanted to hear from uh, like a, a coach like Bruce Cassidy. I think a lot of these guys on this Boston Bruins team are getting a player's coach message, which is more comforting. It's more relaxing. The coach can go out and start barking orders, but it's being relayed to uh, these players in that locker room as just another part of the family here. We, we're on a, a mission and so on. I'm not saying Bruce wasn't, but it, it just sounds like the, the um, you know, things had to be changed, and I'm I'm happy that Mon- Monty's in the in the fold, and this team is still doing so well. Yeah, I I compare it because I compare everything to music because the only two things I care about outside of my family are music and sports, and so it, it felt to me like Cassidy was running an orchestra, and you have to stick to the sheet music, and Monty's more like the Grateful Dead, where if you guys want to do a 35 minute improvisational jam, have at it. Um, whereas you can be a little more free. You can, you know, the, the fact that the defensemen have the ability to jump up into the rush and make plays, you know, I thought that would benefit a guy like Mike Riley and it's, it obviously is not, but boy, that's built for Hampus Lindholm. And man, is that good for, for, uh, I, I think Brandon Carlo has been a lot more, um, I, it, not just better, but I, I think he's, he's just been a little bit more uh, effective. He's been a little bit more open. He's, he's been, he's skating better because he's has the ability to get up and down the ice, jump in the play, no one to get back. Um, yeah, it fits Connor Cliff, a cowboy Connor Clifton. I mean, you know, yeah. that, that guy's, that guy doesn't want to read your sheet music, man. He just wants to go out there and fly around and do whatever he can. So, um, you know, I was, I was, I was a big Cassidy guy, but maybe that's what it is 
for a lot of those guys, particularly on the uh, on sort of the bottom half of the roster, is that ability to go out there and not have to fill this exact role or play this exact style. They can go out and, and be a little bit more free. And they're scoring a lot of goals. They're getting a lot of points. So it's good to see. What I really like about the the bottom lines, uh, the third and the fourth, is is a player like um, like Nick Foligno this year. Big turnaround year for him. But for me, he's an extension of uh, of Jim Montgomery's uh, bench, uh, or, you know, a bench boss, or, or you know one of those complimentary pieces. When you look at leadership, uh, he's really turned around those guys down there, and it, and it, and it, you know hats off to him because. He's another player that I thought that you needed one year to adjust and 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 look at him now, but and yeah, get healthy, um, get healthy. He was pretty bad yeah, last year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but you know, a, a player like him is not going to use injuries as excuses if he's if he can go out there and play, regardless if you're 85, 90 percent. You know, so uh, it's just I just love the way this team responds, and and maybe that's the thing is it is the, last year's teams and Bruce Cassidy's. Uh, you know, years prior, you know, they were competitive, but you know, the, the response and I'm just, we're just seeing more, more finish. And, and I like the way that Monty um, doesn't get down on a play when he makes a mistake. And I know I've said this several times, even last week, um, you know, he, he allows the player to, you know, make a mistake, go down and talk to him, but allows him two or three shifts to figure it out. If you don't figure it out, then, then, it's on you, you know, but I like the way that that leash is just, you know, let go a little further to correct, uh, correct himself um, or a, on a certain play and not do it again. But, you know, I just, I don't like coaches that just see something and sit them, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially with this, with this younger generation of kids. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a high school teacher and you know, these, you can't treat them the way that we were treated back in the day. And you can't just go in there and say every every kid gets motivated the same way. They don't, you have to understand their personalities and understand what makes them tick and understand what also makes them shut it down. You know, if you're just yelling at them in their face, they're going to shut it down. Like they're not going to give you anything. So, you know, um, it's so easy to just think that being a head coach is just drawing X's and O's and calling the right line (laughs) change. But so much of it now, especially with this, this age group is, is motivation and putting them in the right frame of mind and, you know, getting their head right outside of their own physical tools. And so, um, you know, again, I don't know a lot about Monty before this year, but he, he seems kind of, he's like the cool teacher, you know what I mean? And, and yep. people like to people, people, you know, I remember the good teachers that I had, you know, I'll never forget them. So maybe that's what it is. It's that, that approach of letting them, um, sort of letting them be themselves a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so uh, outside of that, and of course, let's not forget about uh, about Noshik, who's had a great year too. It's amazing. Uh, even a guy like Craig Smith, who's never been a, you know, n- never been a guy who's scratched regularly. You know, he gets scratched. He comes back, doesn't miss a beat, doesn't complain about it, you know, and you still got an AJ Greer sitting there. So, um, boy, this team, it's nice and deep and um, – I think they're in a really good shape, a uh, really good shape right now. Um, having said that, any, any thoughts, Mark, on, um, on a guy like Jakob Zaborl or Jacob Zaborl, I think he changed it to this year. Is that, um, is there just not enough room for him? Is he just underperforming? How, how much, what's the timeline on what point we just say uh, he's either got it or he doesn't? 
A lot to unpack there, my friend. Um, and, you know, Kevin and I and Dom, we all saw a, a, a solid uh, Jacob Zaboral in the offseason, off preseason, whatever. But it really never translated into the regular season. Um, I mean, he could be that that depth piece that the Bruins need if they want to hang on to him and so on uh, and, like, get rotationary starts, uh, rotationary minutes, I mean. Um, but it's tough. I mean, it's tough that he he regressed this much in just a short time. And, you know, players like Connor Clifton, who I thought I thought Zboril would have a better opportunity on the in this lineup over Clifton, but Clifton's really just turned – his game around it's a contract year for him. So obviously he wants to impress, but I mean, uh, he's cert- Clifton certainly impressing with the hits and the block shots leading the team uh, as defensemen. So, um, you know, I, I just think that zaboro has got to do those things that he's seeing Clifton do right now. Use that player as an example to, for, for you to get back in the lineup and, and gain consistency with that. Um, and on, until it, that happens, I'm not, I'm not hurt having them stick around and so on. But I also don't want to lose a player like that and the, a little bit of that depth if he has to go to Providence because the waiver process will be involved. And and I'm sure if anybody is looking for a, a defenseman that you know uh, can play like like Sporrell or something like that, uh, you know, if you're a low, lower market team, they could absolutely pick him. Um, but I don't know. It's that's a real tough, tough one because I I had a lot higher expectations for him this season. Do you think? Do, do you think it's? I mean, it's hard to say when you look at the guys that they've drafted. But do they have maybe uh, a problem drafting European defensemen? Because when I think about the best defensemen that they've drafted or that they've that have come up through the system, it's been you know McAvoy and Grizzlick and Tori Krug. And then I look at Erho Vakanainen and I look at Jacob Zaboral and um, guys that don't, you know, Brandon Carlo, great draft pick. Um, I'm not seeing, it, it shouldn't take this long for us to still be looking at it going like, okay, like, what do we have here? Like, and even Vakanainen before he got traded, it was, what role does he fill? You know, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a drafting issue or even just a location where you're drafting from issue. Um, but it seems like they have much more luck with these North American, at least drafting North American guys. And then, you know, even look at a guy like Hampus Lindholm, he was in Anaheim for so long trying to figure out his game. And now he's, you know, finally starting to see the fruits of it. But I wonder if it's, if, if it's some, something along the lines of what they're scouting when it comes to the draft. No, it's a great question. You know, um, and, and and it's such a crapshoot when you when you think about scouting and drafting and so on because you know you look over in Europe it's the bigger ice and so on a lot of players even defensemen have a little more creativity in their game because of that extra uh, couple of feet around the rink um, and in North America everything comes a little tighter you know and and it you know but there's there's sometimes as a pro that you need to work that out of your game. I use Fabian Lysel as a perfect example. You know, goes uh, was over in Sweden for a long time, comes over last year in the WHL, goes to the Vancouver Giants, gets a solid year of development in the dub, um, you know, and had a fantastic, fantastic uh, first year. And, and now he's in Providence and so on and still learning how the game comes at him at, um, with smaller uh, sheets of ice. 
but you know, some euros might not take it, uh, the, the change, uh, you know, so culturally, if I could say that. Um, but I don't know. I like, I, Erho Vakanainen was a tough one. I, I thought he was a decent defenseman, but the injuries really got to him. And uh, and and his game getting into those dirty areas was a little unseen because he didn't want to go there because of, you know, a possible repeat injury and back onto the shelf. So, um, you know, you might have a valid question there. It's like, well, you know, the scouts see something really positive out in Europe, but um, you, you're really taking a gamble. You're rolling the dice. Uh, if you select a guy like that and then, you know, bring him into the into a, um, you know, a professional lineup and then see how he, how he pans out. Yeah. And and it's not just uh, it's not like it's a Euro thing in general. I mean, some of the best defensemen in the league right now, um, you know, are, are the European defensemen. And maybe they're just maybe, you know, they're just kind of whiffing on them or they're not drafting them in the right spots or whatever it is. But, um, it, you know, and it is a defensive thing because I'll tell you what this uh, Fabian uh, Fabian Lazelle, I'll tell you he was in the penalty box a couple of weeks ago, and one of the Thunderbirds guy was sitting on him in the corner, and they both got penalties. And Fabian gets to the box and he says to the other guy, "Hey, nice play. That is the only way you can stop me." <laughs> like I just thought was so cocky. I loved it from a, from a, yeah. you know, from a teenager. It was it was awesome. Um, and now he's going to go play, uh, he's going to go play in, uh, what is it? The world juniors. He's going to go back to Sweden and play. Um, I say back to Sweden. They're actually having the thing up in uh, Nova Scotia. So he's not going too far, but, um, what are your expectations for him? Do you like that? He's going to go play in the juniors. Do you rather him stay in Providence? What are your thoughts on, uh, on his move to, to go play in that tournament? I think it's a, a real solid resume builder for the young player. You know, you, you really cannot go wrong with this opportunity for him to go and, um, and and represent his country in Halifax, Nova Scotia for the 2023 World Junior Championship, uh, which starts on uh, the day after Christmas, which is technically Boxing Day up in Canada. And it goes to January 5th. Uh, shout out my boy, Ryan Goodwin. That's his birthday. Um, but the location is in Halifax, and it's also going to be held in Moncton, New Brunswick, the second rank to get the tournament done faster. Um, the, uh, the Halifax games uh, are going to be at Scotiabank Center, and the Evian Center is home to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League Moncton Wildcats, while the Scotiabank is home to the um, fun-watching Halifax Mooseheads up in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, so I, my expectations, I, I think he's just going to have a really solid – uh, tournament up there, like I said, be with his countrymen, try to earn um, some type of medal. Uh, would like to see gold because it's just that just builds confidence in a player like Fabian um, returning to Providence and you know and go from there. Um, it, do I find it appropriate that he's going to the games? Uh, yes, I do, to be honest with you, uh, because Fabian right now in Providence isn't my go-to for the uh, break glass in case of emergency, if, if a call up is needed. Um, I don't think that he is any better than what the Boston Bruins have uh, contractually in that lineup right now. And he's not forcing anybody out. So I don't see a recall happening anytime or I don't see a recall happening probably till the end of the NHL year um, when they give him like a game or two and say, thank you, give him a taste 
uh, you know, be a black ace for the uh, the playoffs and use the offseason as an appropriate time to really work hard and secure a lineup next season because that's when I really find that Fabian can really lock in a place uh, on the right side because I don't think Craig Smith's coming back. I think it would be kind of stupid for the Boston Bruins to retain Craig Smith and and what more money that he could get. Bring in Fabian Lysel on the right side at under a million dollars, still under a cap, um, an entry level contract, uh, you know, and, and go from there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see any immediate call up for him, which would require, you know, which would hold the, the Boston Bruins hold him back from uh, participating in a tournament like this. So uh, I know a lot of people said that they uh, he'd be in the lineup by Christmas. And um, I hate to say that, but I hate to say he's not. And I'm not saying that him not getting any NHL time now or after this tournament is a bad thing. I just think that he needs to continually learn the two way game. Um, he's fantastic with the puck. He's fantastic with the speed and so on, but the game away from the puck is still something that the Boston Bruins continually, um, you know, teach. And, you know, if you're going to be in the NHL, you have to play a two-way style. It doesn't matter if you're a center or, or a wing, um, you need to be responsible on both sides. And right now that's something that he's still learning. So, um, I'm just, I'm not one of those types of, uh, fans or, or analysts or whatever you want to call me that, you know, needs to get a prospect out there as soon as possible. I am one that is is all about doing it appropriately. You know, let's develop appropriately because it's only going to benefit the organization and the player. Yeah, I and I mean, from a, um, you know, from a Providence Bruins perspective, don't worry about them because they are absolutely freaking loaded. Um, I mean, I, you know, being out here in Springfield, I tell my friends, if you want to know what's the next wave, you know, for years, there wasn't that need to like, well, we have to go see Providence because we want to see the future. But holy smokes, right now between Beecher and Lazelle and McLaughlin and Jack Sean is outstanding and they're they're freaking stacked down there. Um, but I think for him, it's going to be such a nice barometer uh, to see where he's at amongst his peers. And I mean, you know, the, the AHL is is kind of a hodgepodge of of young prospects who aren't ready, prospects who are ready. 35 year old guys who've been playing in the league, you know, last night, uh, Alex chase on was in the building, you know, he's gotta be what 35, but I think he won a cup. Um, so it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a hodgepodge of, of guys from different levels, different styles, different age. Let's see him with his peers and let's gauge what, uh, you know, what, where the growth is, but not only where his future could be. I mean, he could, if he goes out there and, you know, has no points through six games. I think that's going to be concerning, but there's a chance he could go out there and have 12 points in his six games. Um, Cause he, I think he has that kind of talent and skill. So I think that the AHL will be for learning and for getting better. Um, but to go to one gate, one Providence against, you know, Bridgeport game and judge where he is based on that game. I don't think is fair. I think this is a better this will be a, a better sort of barometer as to where he is amongst his peers and where his growth is and where his development uh, development is. Um, and that's why I think these kind of tournaments are so beneficial. I'm so glad that they actually let them go in other leagues. You know, I don't see any other sports allowing this sort of a system to happen. Um, but I, I think it's going to be great for, like you said, it's nice. He gets the camaraderie and he gets to represent his team, which in his country, which everybody wants to do, but also to have that, um, uh, that that sort of matchup with his peers to see where he's at, I think is is going to be good for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just like I said, it's just a resume builder. You know, he he could really learn from this too. You know, um, how he skates and how he uses his speed with around uh, you know the age group that you mentioned, and and how he comes back to Providence and and filters that uh, into his game with that mixed uh, bag of of ages uh, and veterans and you know and AHL career players and and, and um, you know Bruins prospects when he comes back to the top minor pro affiliate. So. I, I really think this is going to be a benefit for him because, uh, you know, international tournaments really, really open up um, a creative player's um, creativity um, a lot in these types of games. Um, I don't think he goes pointless, though. I think he's going to have no. a really, really good tournament and really could so uh, open up some uh, some eyes, not only from Boston Bruins fans, but league-wide, you know, because this, this tournament is just – one of the annual games that really garner a lot of attention. And um, I think uh, him and Sweden uh, have a chance to, to do really well. Uh, well, we do have uh, five calls on the black and gold listener hotline. And we, uh, we do really appreciate you guys uh, taking part and being a part of that uh, with us and getting yourselves to be a part of the show. Uh, before we do get to that, I, I do want to mention that our uh, black and gold production sports media company is looking for podcasters, website writers, um if you're out there and you're a a diehard fan and you love talking bruins you love writing about the bruins uh don't do it you you can do it sitting at the bar you know uh over a beer with your buddies but wouldn't it be better to do it um either here with us or with a podcast or with um uh like i said just just writing your own words down and getting somebody to read it um i don't want to lose the art of writing uh (laughs) there's my high school teacher part of me Uh, let's not lose the ability to write um you know but put your words pen to paper and uh, feel free to reach out to mark uh we'd love to have you on the team here um and uh of course we also want to mention one more time about our friends bet online ag it's uh uh whether it's for that for us or for uh the nfl slate of games we want to make sure that you get in there so bet online ag make sure if you can use that promo code uh, clns50 um, and that would uh, be great for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Mark, do you have those um, uh, those calls ready to go? Do you want to fire through those? Actually, I do want to take a moment to uh, recognize our show sponsor, BetOnline.ag, and uh, quick ad read. Cool. BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your football, basketball, and hockey bets this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends all at betonline.ag. BetOnline is always your continued source for sports wagering information, featured live betting, free contests along with live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf and other special sporting events. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website to set up a free account and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first cash deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive all these fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game stops. All right. Like we a radio BetOnline.ag. I, I, I tried. I, 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 <laughs> hey, well, I got I got the skill guy here. I just had to show you up just a little bit. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. So awesome. uh yeah, let's see what uh let's see what we got on the on the calls. I love this uh I love this concept. 
Excellent. We uh, we do have five calls that we had today and want to thank everybody for taking the time to do that. And if you do want to participate in this segment that we're going to be doing, hopefully every week, we can only do this with your with your uh, your time and effort. So please call 978-504-2727 to participate and leave us a brief Bruins related question or ask any question uh, about us, the panel. Uh, but let's start off with Duncan, and he's the first one to go. So here we go, Duncan. Hey, Mark. This is Duncan from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, huge fan of the show. Um, my question has to do with uh, David Pasternak. Why have they not signed him? Is it purely a salary cap issue, or are we uh, have to think about the future of the center here? Um, thanks. Uh, I look forward to hearing this soon. Oh, this is a, a pretty common question um, on the tweet machine and also Facebook. I find Facebook is more drama than anything else when it comes to Boston Bruins hockey. Um, but some people are really worried about losing David Pasternak. And as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, uh, the, the comfort level is is really not that comfortable at all to most. And they really believe that um, the Bruins as an organization are dragging their feet to sign this guy. And I don't believe that that is, is very true. I think that both sides are doing the due diligence and talking. They, I mean, uh, negotiations like this are never easy, but the good thing is, is there's communication between both sides. The, the agent has come out publicly and said, yes, we, we talk almost on a daily basis. And so is the organization. So, uh, as long as they're talking to me, that's my comfort level. If they're not talking, I would not be um, be uh, too happy right now. But um, I don't think it's got anything to do with the salary cap because, uh, um, you know, they're up against it this year, but they have some flexibility uh, with a little bit of a cap bump uh, next season. And um, and with uh, players departing over the offseason, I think that they, they can make it work. So I don't think it's a – it's a, a Sally cap logistics. I just think it's like hammering down the years, bonuses, and so on. And and traditionally, J.P. Barry, who is uh, Pasternak's agent, uh, he traditionally um, waits to the very last minute. Uh, he did the same thing with Pasternak's current deal. Uh, he, when they went one day past into um, training camp, and him and McAvoy basically signed on the same day. So, um I really won't worry until like we get really close to the trade deadline. And, um, you know, and, and if you do happen to not have him signed by the trade deadline, then it's like, what do you do? You, you, you need to really question yourself. Like if Pasenak is, has any indication that he doesn't want to sign and he wants to test the free agent market, that's when you, as an organization really have to think about what's your next move. You know, um, do we want to get sell this guy and get as much as we can, um, whether it be draft picks, um, uh, maybe some complimentary players? Uh, but I mean, I number one, I'd hate to, I'd hate the idea of trading Pasternak. I think he's an elite player. We need to build around a, a guy like this, and he's he's so well loved in Boston. I want to see him back just for those purposes. But if he doesn't want to come back, I mean, there's something that you have to do. I mean, you just can't let a player like this walk and get absolutely nothing for him. Um, if you do happen to trade a guy like David Pasenak, you can bring back a lot of a lot of equity, um, particularly in the draft, where the Boston Bruins, yes, they do have a very good team down in Providence. 
They have some decent prospects in the depth, but you also have to replenish all that stuff to get it back up again and uh, and to get out of the rankings of these uh, these prospect rankings that have the Bruins always up in the 30s and even 32. So long-winded answer, but I, I think a deal is going to get done if it's not done already. Uh, but until the trade deadline, I'm not really worried about it. Um, I, I would say eight years, 88 million, just get it done. Eight for 88 Boom. for 88. Um, it would be aesthetically pleasing. Um, but, you know, I think there's already a segment of fans that have had it with Don Sweeney. And uh, ask, ask Red Sox fans how they feel about Xander Bogart leaving town. Um, th- this this is not um, – I mean, the Red Sox are going to be a disaster and fans aren't going to show up. That's how pissed off they are that Xander Bogarts isn't back. Bruins fans have double the passion of Red Sox fans and they will uh, they'll be out in the streets. So I think I think Sweeney needs this extension for his job. I think the Bruins need this for their, uh, you know, for their reputation. And, you know, you let a guy like Pasenak walk, especially for free. Like you said, if you don't get anything back for him. And this team starts off one and five, you know, two and ten next season. They're 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 going to be out in the streets for blood. So I eight years, eighty eight million, get it done. I'm I'm in the I like your idea. I mean that's so cap friendly, it's ridiculous. But I'm thinking a little more. I'm thinking the nine five area that would be uh, uh, comparable to a Charlie McAvoy, um, and obviously the eight years. But ultimately, I kind of think he's going to get like between nine five and ten five. And also, if a player like this walks, the other thing that I constantly think about is the future of this Boston Bruins team and players that want to come here. Like if if Pasternak walks and so on is, and somebody comes in and signs like a bridge deal or a couple of years and they want to stay here, but they're like, oh, well, they got rid of a guy like Pasternak. How are they going to treat me in the negotiations as well? Which may deter some players from signing here. So getting... Pasternak signed as soon as possible or even sometime this season is ultimate uh, is the ideal thing to do in my opinion not only for the type of player he is and what he can be in a future eight-year deal so I'm just hitting around that yep um but also when, when you think about the future of this Boston Bruins team and, and getting players to come here and and want to be here and think that they're valued so not even free agents, but look at a guy like Fabian Lizell. If he if he develops and becomes as good as Pasternak is, which may possibly happen, and it comes to resign, it's resigning time, and he doesn't want to mess around. He doesn't want to play the talking every day game. You know, yep. He, it's the same thing. So yeah, they got to get it done. They got to figure it out. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Frank. 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 Good afternoon. Go. My name's Frank. I'm a longtime listener. Grew up in Boston. I am currently living in Miami for the last 10 years. Been a Bruins fan forever. And my question is, do you see us getting Patrick Kane? Um, how do we make that work? And how does he fit into our team? Uh, thanks again. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. I, I don't know about this one. I mean, if you really look at Patrick Kane, he's a, he's a great American player and so on. Comes with a, a bit of a high AAV. He's uh, His AAV is 10-5 right now. I know the real money changes because of how many games he's actually played this season. So the real money, it might not be that much and so on. I mean, I would love to have a guy like Kane on this lineup and and, and, and replace uh, a guy like, um, like Craig Smith 
but I really don't see it happening. Um, and I'm on, I'm still on the lines of it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, but you never know with, with what's going to happen as we get closer to the uh, trade deadline that a player like that might be a little more attractive. I don't know. I'm really not good at these, you know, trade and what we can get for them. But I will say that, you know, Chicago is a rebuilding team. They're, they're crap right now. They need to, they need to do something like they were uh, years ago and, and real relevant in the league and good, even though they suck as an organization for what they did to a certain player, but yep. I regress. Um, but they're going to ask not for a boatload. I don't think so, but I mean, you're going to have to retain money. I don't know if they're going to want to do that, but also you're going to have to give up something. And I really don't want to tap into uh draft picks that we need to replenish this uh, prospect pool to get somebody uh, that's seemingly going to be a rental. You know, I, that's just how I see it right now. I don't think that uh, a guy like Patrick Kane, it has any longevity if he even came to Boston. I just think that, He's a piece that puts us over the edge of really being, you know, more offensive and, you know, burying these pucks, getting uh, chances, the speed and creativity that he can bring would, would be a welcoming thing. But I'm not ready to say, yeah, we need a player like that type of caliber right now when we're, you know, one of the best teams in the league. I I think when he moves, it'll be an overpayment. Whoever gets him is going to overpay for this player. And I don't want that to be us. Um, and like you said, we, uh, the Bruins are, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And same goes for Providence. I don't, I see no getting Patrick Kane is not worth losing. What could be John, the Johnny Beecher, uh, Lizell, you know, and, or like you said, draft picks. I mean, they're, they, they're kind of cruising right now in the draft. It's just more money. And then who are you going to take minutes away from? You're going to take minutes from Taylor Hall. You can take minutes from, uh, Pavel Zaka. Like I, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And unless one of those guys, has a really bad injury in the next couple months. Knock on wood. Hope that doesn't happen. But if if you lose a Marshawn, Pat Posternock, Hall, Zaka, um, maybe you consider it. But as of right now, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even pick up the phone. There you go. All right, this is Chris from LA, and I want to apologize to Chris. I was giving him a hard time the last time we he uh, he called because of his the length of his uh, his brief. Um, uh, voicemail. So Chris, I'm just busting them. Uh, hopefully you didn't take it too seriously, but I, re- I do appreciate you calling back and hopefully you do uh, on a weekly basis, my man. Hey Mark, it's Chris from LA. Why did you roast me like that? I, I know <laughs> there were long messages. There were long questions. I apologize. Uh, this one will be much shorter. <laughs> what do you think is wrong with the PK right now? And is Derek Forbert coming back enough to fix it? All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Great, great question. I mean, something that's been um, a catalyst for this Boston Bruins team is is how they've played uh, man down. And um, to be to start the year really good. It was the, the Bruins were like the best team on the PK and so on. But you know those numbers have seemingly come down to earth. Um, you know the the San Jose Sharks, if I'm not mistaken, now lead the league in, in PK, and the Bruins are either second or third. So. Uh, it's not the end-all, be-all, but uh, having a player like Derek Forbert back in the lineup um, will just help that cause. And and hopefully Monty can get these guys just a little more bought, bought in on that particular um, conversation when it comes to the special teams. Uh, I'm not – I think it'll be okay, but you do want to have a better penalty kill uh, 
going down to the stretch here and particularly in the postseason you don't want to you don't want to get in the box first of all but you also want to have um a strong complimentary uh list of players that you could put out in the ice that are just gonna you know get in your face and close those gaps and and, and eat those minutes uh when you're a man down so Hopefully it, it does pick up sooner or later. I think it will. I just think that it's just hitting a little bit of a lull right now uh, with the, the injuries and everybody shifting around. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, again, I mentioned it earlier, but I, you know, you can't have Bergeron and Marchand killing penalties all game long. You just, you, you can't, and on the power play and on the top, like you can't do it. And I, I think maybe, I think they're trying to work in some different units. They're trying to get more people involved. Um, but you know, the more you try to get people involved and then you look at who the penalties are on. I mean, Arizona, um, Nick Felino penalty, Brad Marchand penalty, Matt Grizzlick penalty. Um, the game before that in Vegas, uh, no in the box, uh, Trent Frederick's in the box, Brad Marchand's in the box. So these are your actual penalty killers getting the penalties. So especially from the forwards, I think defensemen, if you're an NHL defenseman, you should be able to kill a penalty no matter what your size is. The forward group to me is where um, it's the most important uh, to have stability there. And if your stable guys are in the box, you know, now you're, you know, okay, you and you go kill this penalty. You know, it's, it, it doesn't work that way. So um, I think they're trying to get more people involved. And I think that the people they're trying to get involved need to stay out of the box. Yeah, absolutely, because that creates holes for an imposing uh, team to really look at. If you, if all your good penalty killers are in the box, that they're going to poke that and poke that until they they are successful. And, and I've seen that several times. And you know, the, we shouldn't be taking stupid penalties in the first place. But also, the uh, the complimentary people that that are out there on the PK and and that part of special teams just really needs to lock it down and know when, you know, so. No one to hold them, when no one to fold them when it comes yep. to like uh you know the the, the penalties. Yeah, definitely. All right, All right this is uh, uh this is uh this is from Caroline. She's from Albany, New York. Hey Mark, it's Caroline out in Albany again. Um I've I've noticed a trend develop this year and I can't tell if it's on purpose or something that has naturally developed on the team. Um I'm not super familiar with Montgomery's previous coaching work, so it could just be his system, Uh, but it appears that the Bees are taking the time to feel out each game and find the most efficient level of play. They come into the first period with a certain level, and depending on the competition, it could look really aggressive or it could look like they're not starting on time. And then they either maintain or adjust for the second and into the third, with the third period turning into a kind of let's just have some fun time on the ice. Uh, Do you think that's their actual strategy with Monty, or have they just naturally turned into this really smart team looking to be as efficient as possible in order to win with the least amount of energy or effort expended? Uh, I'm curious to know if you've kind of picked up on that trend and where this is coming from, because um, that's definitely new uh, for me to see from this team. Love the show. Talk to you soon. Interesting question, and we um, we kind of touched on it earlier in the uh, in the game starts and so on. And I don't think it's it's a plan. 
I think uh, Montgomery and Gruden and, and the coaching staff have all gotten together and say we need better starts and, uh, you know, need a better 60-minute effort, regardless of, like I said, the score and how much of a wagon this team is this season. Um, you know, starting off and wearing a team down and letting them know, you know, uh, let them know you're there and so on uh, as soon as the puck drops. Um I don't think it's a, a plan that we need to feel out in the beginning parts of a contest. I just think that um, it's just the team that they need to be better on the way that they start and, and, you know, regardless if it's home or in a way, but interesting question. And yeah, it is a trend. Um, we, you know, we, we touched on it earlier about, um, you know, you got to be prepared, better prepared. And I think that Montgomery is the type of coach that can, can really install that into the heads of these players, especially moving down into the postseason. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think um, uh, I think this team is talented enough to where they don't they shouldn't have to uh, be that malleable to where okay, well we're playing Columbus, we have to play them differently than we play Detroit. You know, it, they they should be able to go out and play Bruins hockey without that feeling out process. And I mean. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been, we we play Pittsburgh Steelers football. It's like, okay, well, you know, that hasn't worked for you for the last 10 years. So, like, <laughs> you don't want to get into that mode either. But, you know, there was a game earlier this season, uh, I don't know, maybe the last couple of weeks, where opening drop, Bruins win the faceoff. Taylor Hall skates right down, fires a shot. They ice the puck. Eight seconds in, they got an offensive zone draw and, and a shot on net. Like, they should be doing that every single night. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't have to feel out, you know, feel out the you know pick your team the new jersey i was gonna say new jersey it's a bad example because they're rolling but you, you shouldn't have to have that feeling out process based on the talent level that's on this team you should be able to go out there play your game and and make it happen and i don't think it's a feeling out process i think there's something else going on where they're just you know maybe a little sluggish out the gate and hopefully it's something they can fix absolutely all right and the last one is from duncan from Hartford, he called in twice this week, so thank you very much, Duncan. Hey guys, I love Albany. It's, uh, Duncan from Hartford. <laughs> um, I'm wondering Hartford. if I could get your two cents on the future at the center position for the Bruins. Uh, do you all think it's worth going out and getting a guy like Bo Horvat and giving out some prospects, or would you rather try and draft uh, some guys and develop them? Thanks. Why don't you take this one, Steve? Well, I mean, I I think that they're. I mean, again, we talk, you want to talk long-term versus short-term. I mean, I, you know, Krejci missed a day. And for once, I'm really not concerned because, you know, Zaka's played center. Trent Frederick's played center. Um, you have Coyle. Um, you have Nosek. You know, and then, you know, you have your Johnny Beechers. And that kid, Brett Harrison, who they drafted, who's just crushing it right now in juniors. So, um, I don't think you need to invest in a guy like Bo Horvat in order to fill that need, because I do think that they're on a course where it will naturally fix itself. And if you need some work, you know, a year, two, three years down the line on your bottom pairings, I think you'll be, I mean, nobody's going to replace Patrice Bergeron. It's just not going to happen. Um, and same could be said for Krejci, the difference between last year and this year, there was night and day. Um, but I do think that they're, they have a nice combination of the, the older guys at the top. Um, guys that can play the position that are now playing their, you know, the wings, um, that can fill in and, and, uh, at least two or three guys down in the minors that have, or, or in juniors that have really solid 
um, they have solid developmental plans that as long as they work out, they should be in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to name a few, like right now, Vinny Letary, he's on a, a one-year deal, and he's leading the, the team with 22 points, 10 goals, 12 assists, and uh, lethal on the power play with seven goals. Um, uh, Oscar Steen, I'm not sure where he's going to end up and what his future is. I still like the player and so on, but I think that he's going to be more apt to be a right winger. Um, Johnny Beecher, we talked about him. He's got, you know, he's on the three-year entry-level deal, so he's going to be involved in what happens in the future up the middle. Mark McLaughlin, same thing. Um, and you know, that's basically all that I can mention right now, just, just thinking offhand. So I know that we do need to sustain our center depth, and we have been a team that has done well um over the years, you know. Bergeron and Krejci and so on, and obviously get, getting Coil. Um, but I think that we're going to be all set for like the future right now. Could there be additions? Yeah, but I'm going back to the whole: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I also do not want to. Um, I also I'm 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 such a pundit on on hoarding all these draft picks. I'm serious. You know, I mean, we do have to replenish that prospect pool. It, it, it's it, that's just it's no it's a no brainer to be honest with you. Um, and I'm not, and it's so hard for me to say this, but I'm like, I'm not ready to like give up the future just to win now, just for the pure fact is that a lot of the people who are like that is I want that trophy are going to be the same ones that are going to be a sufferable SOBs for five or six years while this team tries to get back into a playoff series. You know, I'm not ready for that quite yet. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I would love to have a player like Bo Horvat and so on. I think that Vancouver is, has some pieces that they're going to be willing to get rid of. Um, most likely like Garland, Connor Garland, he's from the Massachusetts area. Horvat could be something like that, but you know, until the trade deadline, I'm going to say again, let's not, let's not panic quite yet on the additions we need to make. If there's a, if there's a significant injury up the middle, or or the wing or even on defense that would be a, a time to like say hey we needed that guy to get into a, a long playoff run uh we have to go out and get somebody else that can uh that could fit those shoes appropriately yeah i totally agree although i i don't know i i've seen enough of Vinny Letary to think that i, I think he's just an, <laughs> an, an ahl guy but he was in hartford for a while too and um yeah. but but i yeah I, I i agree i think they're in a really good spot i, I mean i don't know what the prospect rankings are, but I got to figure that that the Bruins forward depth on the whole is probably pretty high in terms of um, guys that are not playing professionally yet between college and the juniors. I got to feel like their, their forward group is probably, you know, even that Brunei uh, Brunei. Is that the guy that the first rounder they get or I don't know, first or second? No, round. he wasn't a first rounder. He was a later round, but he's up in uh Ramuski in the queue. Yeah. He's, he's, he's doing pretty well. Yeah, he's playing well. Yeah. So there, there's a lot there to be to be had, and and I'm kind of like you with the draft picks. This isn't like this isn't like football where you draft a guy and you throw him right in there. Um, they all take time, and they all take two, three, four years. So you stock the draft picks, you draft the guys. Some are going to hit, some aren't, but you're not going to know without time. So you st- you stat you know you stock them up, you draft them, and you hope for the best. Absolutely, and and a player that you mentioned not too long ago was uh, Brett Harrison, who's just on. He's having an unbelievable year. 
He joined the Oshawa Generals, who he's been a member of for a few seasons now, um, late in the year. October 14th was his official start to the 2022-23 campaign. And previous to that, he missed the Bruins training camp and any preseason uh, workouts because he had a broken leg, lower body injury, uh, as they're mentioning it now. But it was uh, later on. Yeah, exactly. Air quotes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was it did come out that he had a broken leg. But, um, you know, he came back on the 14th uh, and, you know, didn't have any points and so on, but came back and made impacts in that game that you knew or the coaching staff or the medical staff in Oshawa said, well, I think he's okay. And then the next two games after that, he rips off a, a goal apiece in each one and is currently on a five game point streak. He's got a hat trick in one of those games. Um, unbelievable numbers so far in, in such a, I think he's like 20, 20 some odd points and in 20, um, 20 games. So he's well over a point per game player. The, the kind of thing that you want to see your center depth, even though he's not in Providence or not in Maine or anything like that, but he's in the Canadian juniors and playing well. And I talked to Dom Tiano, who's a, a host here on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast, about his availability for the AHL next season. Most of us know that 20-year-old players uh, can play in the NHL after that uh, particular campaign. Uh, Brett Harrison is eligible to be in the AHL next season. So he's currently under a, uh, a three-year entry-level deal. That entry-level contract this year slides until he plays into the AHL. So uh, good things happening. Uh, his addition to uh, a Ryan Mujanel, uh center offense is going to be good because the way Harrison's playing right now, you just think that it's going to carry on to, uh, to his first pro year. Uh, in the American Hockey League. So looking forward to Brett. And we had him on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast here uh, over the offseason. And he was a tremendous guest. And we really thank him and the uh, Oshawa uh, Generals PR staff for uh, putting that all together. That's great. Well, uh, we do appreciate everyone that's calling in. And don't forget that you can call in as well. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't quick enough to write that number down, Mark. Uh, uh, but, but it's great having these contributions from you, the listener. Um, we want to talk about what you want to know, you know, um, you, we, we don't, we want you guys to be involved and to help us drive the show. So, um, please uh, feel free to reach out to us anytime with those calls. Um, Mark, what's the number? Uh, the number is 978-504-2727 and definitely shout out to Duncan for two calls this week. Caroline with a K. Thank you so much for calling in one of my favorite people over on Mastodon, which I've, I've gone over and tried out it's kind of interesting but i love talking hockey with her frank thank you very much for the call and obviously chris from la no hard feelings my man and uh everybody please keep calling you know we want to get more more of these uh involved these are great segments we want to hear basically we're hockey fans we're boston bruins hockey fans that's what we do here but we also want to hear what's on the minds of everybody else and and try to create some uh, more content on your thoughts so uh, 978-504-2727 is the number and um, definitely love this type of uh, tough type of interaction we have with uh, with our faithful listeners. Yeah, definitely. And um, I don't know, Mark, I don't know about you, but we, this has been a busy uh, almost hour and a half. I, I don't know uh, uh, if you have any other final words or anything else that you wanted to touch on, or this has been a pretty, pretty packed, uh, pretty packed show here for, for being number one. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and your addition to this uh, has been uh, tremendous. Um, already creating amazing chemistry. I love it. And I, I, I look forward to working with you further. Uh, but we do have uh, four games coming up this week. It's a very busy schedule. Uh, tonight's game is kind of the rematch game against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, in 29 games played, the, the Knights have a 28-1 record, 41 points, one of the better uh, teams out in the West. They do lead the Western Conference uh, in first place and first in the uh, Pacific Division. And uh, tonight's game is in Vegas, and they have an 8-6-0 record, so not a really great home record for the, for the uh, Golden Knights. Uh, so hopefully the Bruins can uh, definitely take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, rub one into Bruce's face a little bit like he did uh, when he came to the uh, the TD Garden last Monday. Um, on Tuesday night, the uh, the Bruins are back from their a small road trip uh, to play the New York Islanders. The Islanders are 17, 12 and 0. They have 34 points in 29 games, currently fourth place in the Metro Division. Uh, and they are 8, 6 and 0 on the road. Uh, so hopefully the Bruins can beat them. I know Matt Barzell is uh, is one of the hotter players, uh, and you know the Islanders can be one of those sneaky teams that they that that God that that trap type of game. I can't stand the Island. Any anywhere Lou Lamorello goes, I can't stand that team. Honestly, they, they do give them a hard time. The Bruins, the, the Islanders, give the Bruins a hard time. Oh, absolutely, one of those teams. They're the same thing in that playoff series too. It's like almost like watching the the old New Jersey Devils and the Ottawa Senators. I'm like, stop this. <laughs> yeah. uh, and anyway, on Thursday night, the Los Angeles Kings they have a 15-11 four and four record, 34 points in 30 games played. Currently second in the Pacific Division, and they are eight six and two on the road. And finally, wrapping up the week um, is, a, is a matinee game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are not good this year. 9-15-2 with 20 points, 26 games played. They sit eighth at the, in the Metro Division. They're 2-5-1 on the road. No excuse for the Boston Bruins to run over this team. Um, but that is it for the uh, upcoming games. I do want to mention some uh, some player streaks. Uh, going into the, uh, the game tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights, David Pasternak is currently on a four-game point streak. He's got five goals and uh, five points, and uh, in that time frame, he, he has 19 goals, 18 assists, 37 points in 26 games played. David Krejci, regardless if he plays tonight or not, there's a rumor saying that it's a game time decision. We'll see what happens, but he is on a two-game point streak. He has two assists in the last two games. He has eight goals, 13 assists, 21 points, and 23 games played. Jake DeBrusk is currently on a two-game point streak with uh, an assist in the last two games. Uh, Charlie Coyle is on a two-game point streak, um, and he has a goal, two assists, three points in that time frame. Uh, Linus Allmark is currently on a seven-game winning streak. Listen to this, Steve. 1.37 goals against average, .953 save percentage, in those seven games. Wow. Absolutely disgusting numbers. And you people, not, not you, Steve, but some of the listeners out there didn't want this guy. Uh, but he is 15 and one so far this season, a 1.82 goals against average and a season uh, one. Uh, I'm sorry, 0.939 save percentage. And I also not to, not to throw, you know, water onto a, a hot fire right now, but Jeremy Swayman is currently five, three and one on the season. A, 2.80 goals against average and a very, very concerning 
0.887 save percentage. I need to keep, need to see Jace Way get those numbers back up because uh, he's a, a huge part to this goaltending tandem, tandem moving forward. And, um, you know, they need him. Yeah, they do. I mean, regardless of everybody saying that I want to trade him and get, get something for him now because he's got value, you need him. You need him, and, and he will come back. So Agreed. that's all I got to say about that. So some point streaks on the line tonight. So cool. it should be interesting as the uh, Boston Bruins uh, play the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's going to be an exciting week, and uh, I'm, I'm really pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's keep it going. Let's a little more consistency. You know, they've been up and down this week. Let's see some more consistency, even if they don't get the points. Someone, I want to see consistency in the play. And um, but uh, this this was great, Mark. I'm so glad that we were able to make this work. Um, I'm Absolutely. so pumped to be a part of this. Um, and again, people can reach out to me, reach out to you anytime. Social media, we're always on it. Unfortunately, um, yeah. But uh, you can you can definitely get in touch with us, and um, this has been awesome. Yeah, don't. Don't forget the Patreon. We do have a Patreon p- uh, ah, uh, yes. uh, campaign uh, where you donate $1 per episode. And and that $1, uh, half of it pays the bills here at this uh, Black and Gold Sports Media Company. And the other half of that dollar goes into buying tremendous hand-signed um, items from the Boston Bruins current players and alumni. Uh, and we, all, we get all our hand-signed stuff, which is fully authenticated from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's a good friend of mine, good dude that gets real stuff. Nothing is fake here. Uh, so uh, this this month is December, so we're going to be giving away a hand-signed Derek Sanderson uh, number 16 jersey. So if you want to go to patreon.com slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate $1, we'd certainly appreciate it because uh, uh, winning a hand-signed Bruins-related item for a Black is not a bad way to, uh, you know, to spice up the uh, the fan cave down in the uh, in the basement. I know, Steve, you need you need some spicing up there, my friend. <laughs> like cleaning more than anything, I need to clean. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why I don't move my camera. <laughs> no, don't look below here. It's a, it's exactly. a mess. <laughs> a mess. But uh, no, but we 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 really is. appreciate uh, the uh, the financial support we get, and and not only that, we appreciate. Uh, the retweets, the downloads, the interaction. You guys are all amazing. I just want to say thank you very much to Steve for, for you know, sending me that DM saying, I would love to be a part of this program, and which got me giddy little girl excited, you know, um, because I do want to make this show better for the listeners and so on. Um, not saying it was bad or anything like that, but I, and I'm not saying I'm a perfectionist, but I'm always somebody that always loves to get better with the trends and what what people are saying and you know in in production and stuff like this and steve i know you you understand what i'm talking about but you know having you aboard and, and kind of taking the reins on driving the agenda for myself and if uh if kevin and dom do come back i just think it's going to be a real good discussion because we all have different thoughts about this boston bruins team much like the the callers and listeners and so on so i think it's going to be uh some good banter moving forward and i'm I'm really stoked to have you aboard uh it's a pleasure i i i'm glad to get my feet back back into talking in front of the mic you know eight years in radio before i got laid off and now i'm teaching broadcasting at a vocational high school which is great but um you know it's nice to have this you know this is yeah oh yeah you, you can't I always tell people talking to a mic is, is a little bit of an addictive 
qualities to it where when you don't get to do it for a while you start scratching you know so um but um so it's it's great to be back this was a whole lot of fun i can't wait for next week absolutely and uh that is episode 308 folks um again thanks to steve thanks to everybody for their financial contributions and and just the love that we get on a weekly basis we're just going to get a little better from here uh every day so uh please stay aboard um please subscribe on apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio radio and spotify uh and also subscribe to the youtube channel please uh hit the subscription tab uh hit the thumbs up and, and notification bell when we do release a new video um it'll all be up here and we're doing a whole revamp of our of our uh youtube channel so uh, please go to Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and and do a search on the YouTube and and like share and 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 um and do all that good stuff for us because we love doing all this stuff for you. So um, we will be back next week for episode three oh nine and talking more Boston Bruins with a full four game schedule coming up and and some other topics that will uh, that Steve and I and and hopefully some others that want to join the panel will will come up with on the uh, on our agenda for the week and. Uh, I just love this Boston Bruins team. So with that being said, I'm Mark Albert. You can follow me at Black and Gold 277. That is Steve Fiorni. Forney. <laughs> no, I don't know where that I've been called, I've been called worse. Don't worry about it. My name rhymes <laughs> with is, everything. <laughs> yeah, but he is on Twitter at PA Voice 413. Uh, until next week, folks. Take care. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.